This podcast takes you into the rarely discussed realm of the personal decisions leaders have taken that have influenced their business decisions and developed them into the leaders they are today. The refreshingly honest experiences of those who have been very successful provide an insight into the challenges they faced, the successes they achieved, and the people who influenced them along their journey. Here's our host, Mark Silvera. Welcome to Business Made Personal. This podcast is brought to you by the insurance industry's leading education and events provider, ANZIF, via their Careers in Insurance initiative. I'm Mark Silvera. Today we have with us Madison Seymour. Madison entered insurance through what she calls industry-adjacent functions by joining a boutique marketing agency that had a major insurance brokerage as its largest client. Madison then stepped into a role managing the commercial relationships of industry publication Insurance News that many of you will be aware of before she joined John's Ling Building Group as the National Accounts Manager for Brokers. As an aside, Madison also had a central role in conceptualising, building and organising the annual Mansfield Awards for Claims Excellence, which is an industry icon these days, Madison. Thanks so much for joining us on Business Made Personal. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. Hey, Madison, let's start with your family background, and I can't ignore the fact that both your parents are well and truly entrenched in the insurance industry. What was that like for you? Honestly, it was exciting. It was a, an integral factor in me considering and then eventually entering the industry. And for a long time when I was making my entrance through that adjacent function via the marketing side of things, I did joke that I had married my my parents' professions together quite well because my mother had always come from a marketing background and my dad is just a, a broker through and through who's, you know, taken that very far, obviously. Yeah, he certainly has. In fact, he was one of my first podcast guests, as you may recall. So I want to talk a little bit about that because you would not have come into it the normal way. You know, most people fall into insurance. You would have been aware of it as a child. What was your perceptions of the industry growing up? I think my perception was always very positive around insurance, just by virtue of the fact that my dad always has viewed it with such excitement and passion. And I think my earliest memories of of seeing the industry in action, I suppose, was just my father having guests around for for lunches and dinners and really focusing on that relationship building side of the industry, which is just what this whole sector is based on. It's the foundation of what we all do. So I never really saw it, I think, in that traditional sense that so many do as they're considering their career options. I don't think that insurance has necessarily the the sexiest PR around it when people are considering what it is they want to do. But because I'd viewed it from that really grassroots relationship level, I was always very intrigued by that because I'm very much a people person and and I love that side of this space. So So it's fair to say though, you didn't jump straight into insurance, right? You picked up an internship at Witchery, which is a retail fashion store, and then you went into marketing and advertising. How did those two roles assist you in, you know, in getting into the insurance sector? I think if I'm being completely honest, as a 21-year-old just finishing up my degree, speaking about good PR, there's always that sort of excitement and intrigue around fashion, I think, for for young women and thinking that's a great opportunity. And I did learn a lot in with Whitry and with the broader Country Road Group 
that really actually just honed in my interest to insurance and to other opportunities. I think the idea of of retail marketing was a bit more exciting in theory than it was in practice. So (laughs) when I found myself in the boutique marketing agency that I spent two years in with huge focus on the industry and setting up intranets for international brokerage, I really got to see how vast the opportunities were and how exciting it all was and how at the end of the day, insurance is really about helping people. And it's it's about making sure that people can persevere through hard times. So I just found it incredibly fulfilling in a way that I suppose hadn't resonated as well with me in my previous marketing role. So perhaps that was just my rebellious teenager self going, no, no, I don't want to work in my dad's industry, but they got me in the end. It was, it's in my blood. That's it. And, and look, you're a young person in this industry. Many people these days have two, three, four careers. What's your view on that? I'd almost argue the fact that you don't have multiple careers. You, you own your career and, and a person is that constant there. And even if you pivot, for example, that retail fashion role into the finance side of things, it may look random and it may look a bit disjointed, but every experience very much contributes to what you decide to do next with your your working life and your career. So even when, I mean, you introduced me with a, a bit of a summary there, but moving from retail marketing to insurance marketing to an insurance publication to now a building service provider for the industry, it can seem quite random, but every step that I've made has been driven by the decisions I've made before and the contacts I've been exposed to in those roles. So it's felt very organic and very smooth, that transition into these different fields. There's a bit of a view from many, many people that insurance is a bit of a boys club, heavily male dominated, very few females in executive positions. As a younger entrant to the market, how have you found it? I think there's still work to be done in just diversity and inclusion generally across the industry. I can only speak to my my gender-based perspective, but you know, we've seen such massive change. And speaking with my father and with mentors and, and peers who've come before me in this sector. It's incredible to hear their stories about the changes that have occurred over this time. And I've count myself very fortunate to be able to, when the people before me have had to walk and help help pave that way, I felt very embraced and for the most part, sorry, quite safe and welcome in this industry, but it is very male. And I think many young women, based on the conversations I've had, can relate to some interesting things that occur. But honestly... I think it's a bit of a superpower being a young woman in insurance because you will come across some people who don't really want to take you seriously. And if there's one thing that uh, can inspire me to exceed expectations, it's people underestimating me. I love to be underestimated. I challenge you to do so. Well, I've never underestimated you and, and you know that from experience. But I wanted to ask you, you would have you would be dealing with a lot of people who are new entrants to the industry who you know may not have had the background you've had in terms of the knowledge around insurance what do you think they're looking for when they enter the insurance community if we're going to address the elephant in the room for the past few years being covid we 
as a general rule, want flexibility in our working arrangements. And I think that's especially prevalent when it comes to the younger generations, the ability to work remotely where required, to travel, to kind of dictate some of your own hours. I think it's more and more important for new entrants and current workers to have that trust from their employer to be able to work autonomously. I think, especially at the moment in such a difficult recruitment landscape, if you don't trust the people that you're hiring, you might need to reassess how you're tackling these things because I don't think micromanagement ever truly fosters a culture that's going to be able to persevere during tough times. So I think especially people coming in now, they want to feel trusted, they want to feel supported, and they want to know that there are mentors around them who they can lean on and learn from. And that has been so challenging over the past few years to not have that really organic contact with people who have been in the field for longer than you. You know, speaking as someone who joined this position quite remotely in my early months, it's challenging and it's a bit polarizing as someone who's new and and wants to excel and succeed. Picking up the phone or or sending someone an email, it's never going to be as simple or feel as organic as just turning around to someone next to you and and going, hey, could you help me with this? I just have a quick question or just listening to them. I think there's something to be said about the osmosis of learning by just being in an environment of people who are doing the work. It's a bit of a monkey see, monkey do approach. And and that's certainly been my experience. I I like to, to view it so I can learn from other people's experience. And therein lies the challenge, right? Because technically, if you insist on everyone being in the office, then everyone's in the office and everyone's learning, if you like, in inverted commas. If you enable that flexibility, you might have days where there's not many people in the office. So you know, and I think you're 100% right. It is a challenge for employers moving forward. Based on your experience, how well do you think employers are actually doing it? I think it it very much depends. I've heard some real success stories from some companies in, in the sector who foster that flexibility approach, but with some mandated days that bring teams together and I know that people don't necessarily love the idea of a, a forced or a mandated requirement, but if that's the the price we pay to foster a culture and a, an environment where your peers can be your friends and people you lean on, I do think it's very worthwhile. And flexibility can have parameters. There are other brokerages that I know of who, you know, have a mandated three days in the office a week. You you can pick which three days they are, but we want to see you and. I think that that's very valuable, especially given the increasing regulation that's being placed on the industry. If you're new or even if you're not new, because obviously the landscape changes so frequently, there's a real benefit to just being around others and soundboarding things that if you're operating in a silo, you may just not pick up on by by no fault of your own. It's just how these things work. It's good to have peers around you to just sense check things with. And the other component to this is mentoring. So you've mentioned a couple of times mentors in your life. Who have they been and and what value have they brought to your business career? I think if I don't mention anyone who you know who you are, then I'm so sorry in advance and I owe you a drink, but I'll start with some of the highlights. Number one would be my father, Gary Seymour. He is an incredible mentor to so many people in this sector and I feel incredibly fortunate to have such access to him and his 
wealth of knowledge and experience. And he has certainly been crucial in my development and just in helping me determine my own path while pointing me in the right direction sometimes, because, you know, it can be a blessing and a curse sharing a a sector with with someone who is so well respected and just so talented. He's always 10 steps ahead of everyone else in the room, which is as frustrating as it is impressive. So I think he is a crucial mentor for me in this space, but I've been very lucky to have many mentors and I'll also talk to um, Terry McMullen at Insurance News, who was just fabulous. This is the the man who interviewed a, how old I've been, 23-year-old or 22-year-old girl walking into the office saying, oh, yeah, you need someone to look after your commercial clients and that's all of your, your revenue. Yeah, I can do that. Sure, why not? And took the chance on me. So he continues to be someone I speak to regularly, seek advice on just all things life and work. So yeah, working with him and within the insurance news landscape was an incredible way to really enter this industry and just have access from, again, one of those insurance adjacent businesses, but to work within that publication and get a real understanding for the issues that brokers face and their commentary around such issues and even just the suppliers and underwriters who are trying to get in front of those eyeballs. It's It really rounded out my understanding of the industry so beautifully and has led me to you know where I am now and my perspective of it. And I suppose in my current function with John Sling Group, I'm so fortunate to be within Pip Turnbull's team, the global EGM for business development and marketing. And it's really wonderful to have that powerful female presence within my team and someone who I can go to for advice. And I think she is a great example for someone who trusts her team, builds her team. And we are very autonomous, but we never feel like there's not someone to go to for support. So I'm very lucky to have have her to call on as well. But there are so many more, so many more who I'll take out for coffee. And time is obviously one of those crucial things. You know, you can't cover everyone off, but the three people you've mentioned are quite significant human beings in terms of their influence, not just on you, but on the industry generally, right? Yes, I've been very lucky to have access to such a fabulous people. So I want to turn the conversation a little bit to technology. Now, I know that, you know, you've got a fair bit of digital marketing experience. As I say, you're from that generation where technology is just something that you do. I'm just wondering how well do you think the insurance industry handles technology? We talk about it, but I just wonder how well we're doing it. I think there's certainly room for improvement, but... That's very diplomatic, Madison. Yes, very PC. I think the past few years have forced a lot of necessary change, which has been fabulous to see. I think that we as an industry hid behind the too difficult excuse for a while about even just remote working, shared access to certain files, legacy systems, not connecting with with other elements of the business. And I think that we've taken some very necessary leaps in the past few years, but there's certainly a long way for us to go. And I think it comes in various stages of this sector. And it's difficult because we have very much a, a joint voice across all of the different functions, but we do often find ourselves with siloed technological solutions. 
So unfortunately, when people are all in their own lane trying to build their solution that doesn't talk to somebody else's solution, we're running around in circles a little bit. And in the claim side of things, we can fall over because of that sometimes. If every element of the equation is dealing in their own systems, that's where we find the breakdown of communication, which is the cause for so many unnecessary escalations or things just not going as they should. So we've come a long way, but there is a long way to go. I agree with that sentiment. So I contract to a number of different companies and I've seen some fantastic systems, usually from smaller organisations and some terrible systems. So I understand exactly what you're saying. I just wanted to ask you a question on a different tangent, which relates to education. So you completed your degree, I think it was, and then you got into the insurance industry. How do you see the education in the industry? Is it it something you think people should be doing or do you find that you're learning more on the job than you would from any course? It's a bit of both. I think I'm very much, as I spoke to before, one of those monkey see, monkey do type of uh, personalities where I want to be immersed in the experience to learn as I'm going. Um, It's very much throw me in the deep end. I can swim, I'll figure it out. But it would be short-sighted of me not to recognize that, you know, I've, I've been very fortunate to also go through that formal education stage. And, you know, I, I did a, a Bachelor of Business majoring in marketing, hence the transition there. And that did set me up, I feel, quite well to make an educated decision to enter this space, I think. I learned so many different sides of just good business practice, which I think will hold me in good stead now and moving forward. But I think honestly, the on the job experience for me has been the most valuable part of my time within within the sector to date. And I think too, we're very fortunate in our industry where we've got groups like the Insurance Institute or ANSIF with the plethora of courses they have and, and how proactive we are in terms of not just because of legislation and compliance, but in terms of educating people so that they understand what they're doing, so that they're providing their clients, you know, best value and best advice. Absolutely. And and when I was uh, taking that step to change roles, I actually did do my tier one in broking with ANZIF just because I felt like I'd been around the space for so long. I felt like I understood the broker, but I was just acutely aware of of that degree of separation. And I do really respect and appreciate the continuous learning model that is, yes, necessary and legislated, but valuable for for all parties taking place in this industry. If we're not continually striving for better solutions, better practice, then we as a sector are letting down the community. So we need to be continuously learning. I'm going to put you on the spot a bit. What would you say is the most challenging thing of being in the insurance industry? It can feel quite overwhelming knowing all of the different moving parts. You know, at the end of the day, we say the insurance industry like it's it's a tidy, tidy, well-oiled machine, but there's so many different elements that go into this. And, you know, moving into the fame side, the supplier side of things with JLG, I've never been more acutely aware of where the various puzzle pieces meet. So I think some of the challenges, especially in this time of increased regulation and scrutiny following the Royal Commission and the General Insurance Code of Practice, we're trying to work together, but sometimes regulation creates silos without, I think, realizing that that's what it's doing. So that point where all of the different puzzle pieces meet being, you know, the insurer, 
the loss adjuster, the broker, the various suppliers and their trades. We're also focused on our own compliance requirements and, and best practice requirements that sometimes that gap between the parties is where things break down. So as a sector, I think we feel quite united, but there are things at play that can separate us or create these, these gaps in the equation. If someone was to come to you and say, hey, Madison, I'm considering getting into the insurance industry, what advice would you give them? Do it. <laughs> I think I recognise that I'm a bit biased here, but I think going through schooling and uni and, and that formal, here are your career options conversation, you don't get insurance presented to you like you do industries that I think offer similar perks. I think when I think back to career days and all of that, banking and consulting were seen as such, you know, sexy, quote unquote, industries. And because our first introduction to insurance as just a community is often through a grudge purchase or through a traumatic experience, which of course is, you know, the offering that we provide, people don't have the best impression or understanding of the options that are available. There's such vast opportunity at your fingertips within the sector. You can have a decorated, decades-long career, never leaving the insurance industry, but changing your function, changing your perspective of what you're working on, you know, so many times. So I think it's it's very incredible. It's its own ecosystem where, you know, if, if you want to do HR, if you want to do marketing, if you want to do underwriting, uh, chartered loss adjusting, claims management, supplying. It's, it's a whole world where you actually don't need to leave it to get access to all of the types of experiences that you want to round out your career. So I've often said it doesn't matter what degree you've got, there's a place for you in, in our space right now, in insurance space. Absolutely. Hey, if you had to change, if you were able to change one thing about the industry, you had a magic wand, what would it be? This is going to sound really lame, but I'm drawing a blank. It's so good. Um, <laughs> I think that at the moment, one of the things that would be really lovely to change would be just that that PR piece around it, making it something that's seen as more enticing and not just to people who are considering entering it, but those who utilize insurance, which is everyone. One of my my phrases I picked up from my my dad is, you know, if it doesn't insure, it doesn't go. We've We've proven that this is a recession-proof, pandemic-proof sector that will always be required. So if I could change the PR for just the general public who, you know, hopefully don't view it as something that's a, a grudge purchase or something that's, you know, they're entering with dragging feet. It's one of the few things you buy hoping you never, ever have to use it. And that makes it really challenging to uh, to sell and make it enticing. But if you can't afford to insure it, you maybe can't afford to do it. So having that perspective and and seeing it as a way to protect yourself and, and your loved ones or your business, whatever it might be, it'd just be be nice to, to take some of the stigma away. I've got two final questions for you, Madison Seymour. The first one is if you were able to go back to that young girl at Witchery, what advice would you would you have given that young person? I would say back yourself and just remember that every rejection or everything that feels like a, a failure is leading you to a, a better version of yourself. So don't take it so hard. As a self-proclaimed perfectionist, that's easier said than done, but 
you know, you learn so much more from the things that you don't get quite right than you do from the things that go smoothly. So just persevere, keep going. That's it. And resilience, right? That's half the problem. Absolutely. Final question. What's next for Madison Seymour? What's next for Madison Seymour? Well, she's entering conference season. So a lot of socialising, a lot of just getting out in front of the industry, which is honestly my favourite part of, of what I do. You know, the relationship piece and the interconnectedness of the industry is the most fun part. Next for me, short term, I'm very happy where I am with where I'm working. John's Lynn Group is an incredible business that's just just growing and growing. And, you know, that's an incredible journey to be on with the company. And I don't want to lock myself into any other promises. Just you'll have to wait and see. Hey, thanks so much for spending a bit of time with us and, and for your input and your views. It's been really enlightening and uh, it's been lovely having you on Business Made Personal. Thank you very much. I've really enjoyed being here. Thank you so much for lending us your ears. Please remember to click follow on your podcast app or subscribe at bmppodcast.com.au so we can give you a sneak peek of our next guest. Until next time, I'm Mark Silvera and you've been listening to Business Made Personal.